for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Well, welcome to State of the Nation on TNT, today's News Talk. I am Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore, and there's my friend, Brian McLean, also known as Hesher, and he's broadcasting live from uh, Central Texas. Hello, Hesh. Happy Friday to you. I see we both got the memo on the casual Friday look. So uh, it- <laughs> we, we didn't even plan ahead, and look how that worked out. Yes, we're matching, looking good, Steve, and it's great to be here with you for the final broadcast of this week for State of the Nation at today's News Talk. Yeah, we've got it. We've got a big one for you today, man. We really do because so much is going on. Um, I really want to nail down, and I, and we'll do this with Andrew Langer. I really, I really want to drill down on this Fanny Willis uh, brewing scandal. It's not even brewing; it's fully brewed. This scandal with uh, Fanny Willis in Georgia. I, I have a funny feeling this is going to go down in flames. Uh, that whole prosecution before long, because what's coming out about her. And Nathan Wade, this prosecutor that she hired, just so happens to also be sleeping with. Uh, the details are, if, if it wasn't so serious, it would it would be laughable. Uh, and in a way, it is laughable. So we'll we'll focus in on that in just a little bit. Uh, but uh, so we've got uh, Andrew Langer, we've got Joe Hoff today, among others, and it's going to be a big big show. Well, Hesh, did you hear this? It looks like Hunter Biden's lawyers, uh, his counsel, including Abby Lowell, have decided that Hunter Biden will comply with the hearing for a deposition. Now, this, of course, comes after the big uh, brouhaha yesterday where he basically showed up and just thumbed his nose uh, at, at the at the Congress uh, folk there on the dais. And then as soon as M, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene started to ask him a question, uh, that promptly moved Hunter and Abby Lowell and his art friend, the guy, the, uh, the dude that we remember, you'll, I, I, the guy that was smoking the bong off of the balcony. Uh, that's the guy that's basically <laughs> been, <laughs> that's the guy that's been buying up all of, uh, uh, Hunter's artwork apparently, or make, making sure that he, uh, has buyers, he's setting them up. Well, Hunter Biden's attorney, Abby Lowell, told the uh, House Oversight and House Judiciary Committees on Friday that if a new subpoena is issued under, quote, the duly authorized impeachment inquiry, uh, unquote, then the first son will comply for a hearing or deposition. The House Oversight and Judiciary Committees this week formally recommended to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress after he defied a congressional subpoena. For a closed door deposition as part of the House impeachment inquiry against President Biden. So I'll tell you what I think of this, uh, Hesh, and then I'd love to hear what your take on this is. My take is Abby Lowell and everybody that's working uh, with Hunter is in contact with the White House, in contact with White House counsel, and they're saying, "Look, man, uh, if this goes to impeachment, if I mean, it, if if he gets found in contempt." And it, they'll, he he will be because the, the Republicans will vote, uh, and they've got the votes. I'm I'm sure to hold him in uh, contempt. Then it's going to be very dicey uh, for the White House and specifically for the DOJ, because then Merrick Garland's going to have to explain why he won't prosecute Hunter 
even though he did prosecute Steve Bannon and even though he did prosecute, uh, prosecute Peter Navarro. Um, so I think that they're just saying, look, just agree to the deposition, go there and say, pull a Fauci. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, and if uh, worst case plead the fifth, uh, and that way we don't have to put Merrick Garland in the hot seat on this one. That's my take on it. I could be wrong. I could, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, but it does seem like all of a sudden they flip-flopped on the uh, deposition uh, thing, and I suspect that uh, that has a lot, lot to do with it. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it must be nice to be held in contempt, uh, to do a contemptuous activity like that and just think, well, nothing will happen to me. That's going to be fine. Uh, I don't think that would be the case for most Americans and, you know, I, I mean, it makes me wonder uh, if perhaps, you know, big government and the deep state is just, you know, too big to fail because uh, you start bringing this one in, you start doing appropriate discovery on it. You start pulling the emails, you start pulling the scheduling, you start looking at who was meeting with who at the White House or on Marine One, you know, while in contempt of court. Uh, and it just, you know, the whole house of cards, forgive the pun, seems to... Uh, fall apart so yeah it, this is um this is definitely a dicey situation for them and uh, i would wager that uh it's very possible that nothing will happen and it's also very possible that this could just be a planned implosion uh for the biden administration you know uh wayne allen root talked yesterday about uh you know maybe biden pulling the sick card or the injured card or the COVID card or something like that to make himself ineligible so they could you know, combat drop uh, Michelle Obama and Gavin Newsom into the slot. So maybe this just all lines up into that. Everybody walks away scot-free. They got a new administration, a younger administration to present to the people for 2024. Could be. Uh, you, you might be right about that. And all of this is imploding at once. Uh, you're talking about the house of cards come tumbling down, not just the Hunter and Abby Lowell thing. Uh, the Letitia James uh, civil case is uh, is as bogus as it gets. If they didn't have that freakish looking judge presiding over it, who is, by the way, married to a hard, hard progressive. Um, and so is he, for that matter. But I mean, uh, his wife's uh, the judge's wife's own Twitter account or X account. I mean, it looks like something straight out of a uh, I don't know, a a a, a college kid's uh, progressive, uh, you know, uh, uh, fantasy. I mean, she's just absolutely hates Trump and makes no bones about it. And he has too. the judge or er 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 Erdogan or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, and then of course we've got, as I mentioned, Fanny Willis, and let's not forget, uh, about the other case coming in, uh, in New York. And that one's probably going to get tossed so I think it is all coming down and it is all starting to kind of fall apart. And I suspect that they always knew it would, because I think that what they were really going for here was just to dirty Trump up as best they could. Now they've realized that's not working. His numbers are going up, are going up. Ours are going down. And maybe it is time to call in uh, the B team of, uh, which would actually be the A team of yeah. uh, Muchella, Muchella and Gavin. Uh, we shall see how that plays out, but very interesting, uh, very interesting indeed. Anyway, we'll we'll keep we'll keep following that one uh, as far as the uh, stories go. And also, real quick, real quick, because I know we got to get to Ruckus. Did you see Texas? You're in Texas. 
Texas military seized control uh, over the uh, over a state-owned park and basically just told all the border agents and every Fed agent on site, get out of here, and forced them out. And now uh, Abbott has, has basically cordoned off that park with tall uh, fencing uh, and razor wire, and he's got Texas National Guard on hand. And they are not only... Uh, booting out all the feds but they're basically telling all these uh illegals you go around or if they get them they're immediately just removing them from the park and dropping them in the hands of uh the border agents where they're going to be processed anyway so it's not like abbott is kicking these people out he's just taking control of the park what do you think about all that yeah um it's good for optics it's good for optics it's uh good for you know campaigning for abbott and all that kind of stuff but yeah does it change anything i'm not really sure steve yeah we'll have to find out hey don't miss out on a thing be sure to download the tnt app from either the apple app store or you can also get it on google play so you can easily listen to us anywhere anytime whenever you want it's available to download keeping you up to speed on tnt talk that matters for once we just need to do what's best for this damn country and not what's best for the world today's news talk radio tnt all right this story cracks me up on friday house oversight committee ranking member jamie raskin he's so despicable what a commie uh he sent a letter to former president donald trump demanding that he return the more than $7 million his business has made from foreign governments while he was president. Sounds shady, huh? It's not. Here to explain the story, TNT news producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Ruckus, this is uh, this is just political grandstanding as far as I can tell, but give us the story, brother. They just uh, the the hits keep coming for Trump, doesn't don't they? Um, yeah, Representative Jamie Raskin, of course, is the top Democrat on the Oversight Committee, and he's escalating his standoff with the former president over foreign government payments that his various businesses did receive while he was serving as president. Um, and he sent out a Friday letter to Trump demanding. The former president returned roughly $7.8 million. This is on the heels of a report that was released by Democrats last week, which found that his businesses had accepted at least that amount from, um, I believe, 20 different foreign governments, if I'm not mistaken, during his time in office. The Maryland Democrat is also asking <laughs> – nice – asking Trump to turn over to Congress a, quote, full accounting of the money, benefits and other emoluments of any kind, whatever you pocketed from foreign governments or their agents during your term as president and that you return the total sum of these foreign emoluments to the American people by writing a check to the United States, end quote. Yep. So he wants uh, <laughs> Trump to write a check. To the United States of America for seven point eight million dollars. I, I don't know what happens after then, but hey, whatever. Uh, Raskin's letter is unlikely to spark Trump to return any money, according to Politico, or provide congressional Democrats with a fuller accounting of payments from foreign governments his business received during his presidency. But it could point to one investigative lane for Democrats if. They win back the House majority in November, which would put Raskin in line 
hope you're sitting down for this one, to be the oversight chair. The Trump organization did not immediately respond to a request for comment on the letter. Uh, that was from Politico. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's see here. I had a bit here from The Hill who says that uh, a majority of these payments, about $5.6 million, came from China and went to Trump's hotels in Washington and Las Vegas, as well as Trump Tower in New York, according to the Democrats' report that they released last week. Uh, but very, very interesting that the Democrats are suddenly concerned about foreign influence uh, kind of stuff. I don't know. Money, China, foreign companies. Um, I don't know. Does this have anything to do with the, the Biden stuff? Or is this all? This is clearly we got to get Trump because Trump's the bad guy. And, you know, I don't know. This is very weird to me, the timing on this. What do you guys think? I think that it's an absolute sham. It's a joke. Uh, it's pathetic. It's uh, it's political theater. Here you have a man that is one of the most well-known international real estate moguls on the planet. He has hotels everywhere. He has hotels in, as you just mentioned, New York, in D.C. I mean, all over, Paris, London, everywhere. Even when he wasn't president, he was getting this money from foreign governments that were people were staying there, diplomats, attaches, what have you. And that's the money that Raskin is going after. Money that was legally earned from President Trump's legal businesses that he was not overseeing at the time. Um, it's just such an absolute crying sham. You know what? The Chinese got something out of Trump. They got hotel rooms. They got something out of Biden. They got intel and they got political favors. Big difference. Everybody knows it. Uh, this is Raskin's attempt to play to the stupid part of the Democrat base, which I would argue is pretty much the entirety of the Democrat base these days. But that's just me. What do you think, Cash? Yeah, another case of uh, uh, progressive projectionism, progressive uh, whataboutism. You know, this is sort of their, well, we get called out on this China stuff so much. Let's see how much business Donald Trump did with China. You know, and like, is that Donald Trump accepting those checks or is that Trump incorporated, you know, the, the larger umbrella corporation that, you know, has his real estate properties, his hotels and all that stuff. I mean, uh, it seems it's, it's really stupid. You know, this this is worse than the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, this is <laughs> the pot and the kettle wearing blackface. I mean, I'm not really sure how to classify this. <laughs> Trump could probably sneeze out seven million if he wanted to. If this was legitimate, I'm sure he'd be happy to write the check. Uh, but you know, what does that mean? Does that mean this has to go to court? Are we gonna have another indictment now? Another, you know, dog and pony show of bullcrap? Yeah, yeah, it does. That's exactly what it means. This is Jamie Raskin letting the media know how to focus their story writing and uh, and and how to write their headlines and their hit pieces. This is him saying Trump made money uh, from foreign governments and nobody's talking about it. Why aren't you guys talking about it? That's what this is. And here's here's another thing. Trump never got paid once during his term as presidency. He don't during his uh, first term. He donated all that money away. So Trump can say, OK, I'll tell you what, in retrospect, I want all my back pay. I mean, it's that's how stupid this is. But Raskin, like I said, and I don't say this to be hyperbolic. I say it because it's true. Raskin is a Marxist 
just like his father was a Marxist. This is a Democrat in name only. He's a Dino. Uh, he is a screaming Marxist and always has been. And I'll make no apologies for that. I don't give a rip about Jamie Raskin. He's a joke. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's uh, pretty well said there, Steve. I would echo that. Uh, Ruckus, anything else you want to throw out on this one? I guess he's a mid-C, uh, a Marxist in Democrat clothing. Just kidding. Um, this does wreak <laughs> havoc on the algorithms and the search terms as well because of the foreign influence and presidents and stuff like that. Money. Uh, yeah, How? what a nice, lovely distraction from the, the real elephant sitting in the room. Um, that's all I got to say. Yeah, understood. Yeah. All right, Ruckus. Thanks very much. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. The human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. We are very happy to welcome our first guest, big friend of the program, He's the director of the Center for Regulatory Freedom at the CPAC Foundation, also host of the Lunch Hour podcast and co-host of Andrew and Jerry Save the World with Jerry Rogers. But we're speaking to Andrew. Andrew Langer. Hello, sir. How are you, Andrew? It's great to see you, my friend. Happy, happy New Year. I don't think we've spoken in the new year. So it's great I to don't talk think to you, so. Andrew. Yeah. Happy New Year and happy Friday, nice. by the way, while happy we're at Friday. it. Yeah, listen, um, let's... Uh, Let's kind of do a deep dive on this Fannie Willis thing. This story is so funny uh, in a way. If it wasn't so sad, it would be hysterical. Here you have Fannie Willis in uh, Fulton County, Atlanta. She hires this guy, uh, Wade, and uh, he is um, Nathan Wade as the prosecutor. The biggest case he's ever had. You can go on his website right now. And for $25 down, he will rep you if you were in a fender bender or if you've got parking violations. That's who he is. Yeah. That's who Fannie Willis decided to hire to prosecute a former president of the United States, pays him over $650,000 of taxpayer funds. Now we find out they've been on 
a trip to, uh, I think it's Barbados, somewhere in the Caribbean. They've been a trip to Napa Valley, and they've taken three separate cruises together. Oh, and by the way, Fannie Willis has now been subpoenaed to give testimony in his divorce proceedings with his wife because she go. broke up the marriage. Well, here's a real I got right? that about right? Yeah, you, you, you do. But let's remember that this has never been about convicting Donald Trump necessarily, right? I mean, those if they could convict him, they would, but I think they they recognize that, you know, convictions would be overturned on appeal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or it's also not been about, you know, having a fair trial to go because they think that there's going to be a predetermined outcome. All of this has been about making Donald Trump as toxic as possible. And, oh, by the way, guaranteeing that Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. You know, I did a TV hit earlier today, guys, where I, I, I laid this out and, and a lefty was like, well, wait a minute, how, how can you say, how can you say that the left is pushing this? I mean, that there are Republicans who are pushing this as well, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, wait a minute. It's not Republicans. It's not conservatives who are prosecuting Donald Trump ad infinitum. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not uh, um, uh, Republicans who are obsessed over January 6th. It's not a Republican president who got up and did a bizarre address on the eve of January 6th uh, at Valley Forge. You know, the, it's not the, the the right that is trying to make January 6th come some kind of national holiday. It's it's Democrats who are doing this because they want to keep Trump and January 6th front and center in the American people's mindset so that they don't have to talk about all of the awful things that the Biden administration is doing in an election cycle. And so, you know, yeah, of course, Fannie Willis is going to use this opportunity. Oh, you know something? There's a cute lawyer that I've been, you know, macking on. Let me uh, make him the prosecutor in this. And then he and I can spend all of this time together. So, yeah, that's this is this is not surprising to me. Yeah, uh, it's a bad look, Andrew. Uh, you know, he was spotted yesterday pulling up in a uh, brand new, uh, well valued at brand new, a one hundred thousand dollar Audi A8 Quattro. And uh, when asked if he would ask any questions, he just said no. And he was carrying his firearm. <laughs> I don't know there what's up with that part of the story, but. I mean, you know, Georgia's an open carry state. I'm not sure. I'm not passing any judgment on this. I just find it odd that he gets out of his car and is, you know, palming his handgun instead of, you know, having it in his holster like a normal person would. So sure. I don't know. This is a pretty uh, strange <laughs> character here. I got to notice they even comment on his his fancy, trendy, expensive suits. I mean, you know, and, and this is a Rico case. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I feel everything feels backwards, Andrew. It, it well, well, we are we are we are living in those times. I, I mean, and again, right? You know, it, it's so funny. Not that I want to change the subject, but it's just I woke up on Monday morning and there were a, a pair of stories in the news that just to me showed how off the rails we are. The, the story out of Pennsylvania about the William Penn statue being removed. And then this crazy story that there are calls to delay the next expedition, robotic expedition to the moon, because uh, various Indian tribes in the United States are upset that they're going to be carrying human remains of people who've paid tens of thousands of dollars to have their ashes scattered on the moon. That somehow we're going to delay these missions. I mean, this to me is just emblematic of everything about how, how we've gone off and how we need to hit the reset button on the side of the matrix because this is not where we're supposed to be. You know what it is, guys? Real quick. 
It's the fact that there are no more payphones anymore anywhere, so we can't just dial our way out of the matrix anymore. When they got rid go. of payphones, <laughs> it screwed up the entire matrix. <laughs> well, I, I must say it really is a, a um, it's it's become a comedy of of errors and unforced errors at that. The Fannie Willis right. thing. I by the and I, by the way, I would just say this, Andrew. I completely agree with you uh, concerning these this lawfare against Trump. None of it's designed to get a conviction. It's right. all designed to, to 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 muddy him up and make him look bad. And I just think the whole thing is absurd because I mean, let me just ask you this: How stupid do they think the American people are that? Nobody's going to be talking about the job that Biden has done for the last three plus years, and everybody's going to remain focused on January 6th. I know the media is going to try and push that, but I don't know if but, uh, but this is, I don't know if that dog will hunt. Steve, this is this is the issue. And this is another point that I made when I was on this TV show today, talking about the potential for a five way presidential race coming up. It's not that they have to uh, they have to make this case to millions of American voters. What they have to do is they have to make the case that Donald Trump is toxic and raise questions in the back of those people's minds for 10,000 people here, 10,000 people there, because all you have to do is move a couple of percentage points from column A to column B in certain counties and certain states, and all of a sudden it changes the makeup of the election. It either you know it, it guarantees Joe Biden gets reelected or it throws it into chaos so that it goes to the House of Representatives. Um, and and that is a whole nother, you know, can of worms that gets opened up. So it really is about appealing to small numbers of voters in a variety of different areas, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona, you know, states that will be up for grabs, very much up for grabs uh, for Republicans going into the 2024 election. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, we have a headline we're going to take here with today's news talk. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit about the caucus coming up next week. Caucus season is upon us. So this is State of the Nation right here on TNT. Question. What are you guys doing today? The news. TNT Radio News. Sounds good. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The United States and United Kingdom military forces have carried out a successful series of airstrikes in Yemen against Houthi targets used for attacking ships near the Arabian Peninsula. President Joe Biden announced these strikes, which were executed using fighter jets, destroyers, and a submarine. In the United Kingdom, members of Parliament recently voted to support a bill introduced by the Conservative government aimed at prohibiting public institutions from boycotting goods imported from Israel. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Andrew Langer is our guest. Andrew, what do you think about the upcoming caucus in Iowa? We hear it's going to be very, very cold. Do you think that'll have any effects and uh, any predictions? Well, I, you know, listen, all I know is Laura Loomer seems to think that Nikki Haley is paying off folks in the uh, aerospace industry to control the weather, which is just was a bizarre tweet to, to wake up to this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, listen, these things have a have a habit of uh, of wreaking havoc here. Um, you know, it is all about being able to get folks out to the caucuses themselves. It really is. That's what it's a test. It's a test of organization of these various campaigns. Um, the reality is it is much, much more important for Nikki Haley than it is for anybody else 
Uh, obviously, Donald Trump's got the commanding lead, but Haley's got to have a huge showing in Iowa in order to carry the momentum into uh, into New Hampshire and make her a credible alternative to Donald Trump. I mean, obviously, DeSantis has to show that after this debate that they had earlier this week, that he's gained something out of it. So to see if he actually bloody Nikki Haley uh, in this debate. I, listen, the only prediction I can say is Donald Trump's going to win. It's just a matter of of how much. Um, but the person who really needs to bank on this is Nikki Haley. She's got to build momentum going into this, into New Hampshire, then into South Carolina, and then into Super Tuesday. I would think that um, uh, yeah, Laura Loomer, her outrageous <laughs> suggestion notwithstanding, I would, I would think that um, if there's any base of people that will show up on a day like this, it will be Trump supporters. I agree. Uh, they, they are very, very angry about what's gone on, uh, frankly, for the last 10 years, much less the last three plus. Um, but so they're very angry. They're determined to get in there and show and have a good showing for their guy. I agree with you, Andrew. This is so important to uh, uh, to Nikki Haley uh, because she's got Nevada, then she's got New Hampshire, and then it goes down to her home state. But even in her home state of South Carolina, Trump has a commanding lead. Right. So it, it begs the question, at what point do the donation dollars start dwindling? You know, she made I a don't... great point on the debate the other day that, well, the only reason Ron's mad about this is because the donors have left him and they've come to me. Well, yeah, be careful what you wish for there, Nikki, Don't, because they're not going to be with you for long. Let's all be, you know, really, you know, serious about this, that, that, you know, in the end, there will, whoever is the most credible alternative in the Republican field to Trump will always be getting donations, um, you know, until they, until they drop out. Uh, that's, that's the reality of it. I don't see the donations drying up you know, you know, for the foreseeable future. And, and honestly, you know, what they're going to do is whoever seems to be the better option down the road, that person is going to, their the, their donors are going to start putting tremendous pressure on the Trump campaign to bring that person on as the vice president. And yes, I know Donald Trump said the other day that he's picked his vice president. I'm assuming it's going to be Christy Nome, but, you know, beyond that, I, I don't know. That's sort of my assumption. Um, but, but the reality is anything can happen between now and when Trump actually make that makes that that announcement, we, we listen. We all know. Listen, Donald Trump will stick to certain things, but other things he can be a little bit more flexible on. And and until he makes that announcement as to who his VP is, uh, we we just don't know who that VP is going to be. Hey, you know, Andrew, I think Christy Nome would be a pretty shrewd choice uh, yeah. by Mr. Trump. Um, what what do you think that would do for the base? I mean, is, is there any pick of VP that makes his base bigger? It seems like it pretty much is just already enormous. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, Christy Nome certainly, you know, she has a lot of things going for her in, in terms of this. I mean, not the least of which is that she's, you know, she's gorgeous. Um, but the, the reality is, you know, being a competent, uh, mostly conservative. I mean, obviously, like everybody else, she's made missteps here and there in terms of her conservative record. Um, but you know, but I think there's a lot that that most folks can can get behind, right? It's this old the old 80-20 rule, right? If you agree with someone 80% of the time, they're your friend. They're not, you know, your enemy because they disagree with you 20% of the time. Though that seems to change nowadays. Now it really has to be an all or nothing kind of a kind of a thing. Um, I, I do think that uh um Despite Donald Trump Jr.'s reservations with her, I think uh, Nikki Haley being the number two on the ticket uh, satisfies uh, more people than perhaps a Christy Nome uh, nominee would be or a Christy Nome choice would be. 
Um, but you know, that's you know that it, the, the the cards seem to be stacked against her in terms of that. Donald Trump and the Trump family have made it clear that they don't necessarily want her as the, the nominee. But you will notice she was very diplomatic about Trump um, uh, in the debate on uh, on uh, what was a Wednesday night. Yeah. Well, even Rand Paul came out today and said, if you're conservative, don't even don't even look at Nikki Haley because she is. I love what Mark Levin says about her. It, 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 she is she is Jeb Bush in a dress, essentially, uh, that she is absolutely beholden to the powers that be inside the GOP, the elitist globalist but, types. But with with that in mind. Right. But isn't that no heartbeat from the president? But in the end, right, if we want to grow and bring people back together in terms of this party, you know, is a Nikki Haley pick going to bring more people back into the fold, make more people more comfortable voting for this ticket? Uh, than, or uh, alternatively, is it going to say, well, forget it. If Trump's picked Nikki Haley as his VP, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. That's, that's the risk calculus that anybody has to make. Right. We always say, traditionally we say, that vice presidential candidates don't help a candidate win they can only help them lose but again that's an old adage and in the last eight years 12 years all of the old adages about politics have been thrown out the window yeah 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 we seem to be operating under a, a different set of uh i don't know if i should say rules <laughs> we keep hearing <laughs> about chaos here and there it's, and it's it the, is starting to Brian, feel like it's it the, it's the matrix and the matrix is glitched and it's because they got rid of the payphones yeah yeah we keep seeing that black cat crossing the path here you know um andrew we had um we had wayne allen root on yesterday and uh you know he he said something that uh joel gilbert has said been saying to me for quite a while when he's on and that is get ready for a combat landing airdrop of a michelle obama and gavin newsom ticket uh what do you think the chances of that are sometime between now and march well, we, we've all been we've been talking about this. I've talked about this on the air before. I think if there is if there is any possibility that Joe Biden is going to lose this election, it won't happen until after the Democratic convention. I don't think there, there's there, there's a possibility, but they know that they can do what they can over the next seven months to bloody up Trump as much as they want. Um, but they will take they will you know put their finger up in the air, you know, what their finger put it up in the air after the Democratic National Convention. And then sometime by Labor Day, before Labor Day, they'll they'll make that switcheroo if they think there's any chance that uh, that Joe Biden's going to lose. I don't think it'd be Michelle Obama. Uh, I think it would be uh, uh, Maryland Governor Wes Moore. Um, but you know, listen, it would. The, the point is, whoever is polling best against Donald Trump um, uh, and and looks like they can beat him, uh, that's who they'll put in as their nominee. Well, you know, and and of course, the fact that I think a lot of the and Wayne Allen Root mentioned this yesterday, too, was it was it was a little bit conspicuous that all of the sudden the Obamas who have been quiet and on the sidelines, probably directing things from behind the shadows, I would predict. But publicly, they have been very, very radio silent. And yeah. then all of the sudden you get Barack Obama coming out. Uh, talking about this, not talking about his wife jumping in, but talking about his concerns uh, for for the Biden messaging and what have you, and then all of a sudden, here comes Michelle saying her big that what keeps her up at night is the thought of Trump winning. So this might right. just be laying the groundwork for this kind of uh, as Hesher uh, referred to it, parachute dropping in. And I guess they wouldn't want to do this prior to the uh, 
convention because then that that throws the whole primary into a, into crazy town. Just keep, uh, keep in mind, and if they, right? Go ahead. That the great thing about the Democratic Party is that it's very anti-democratic, so it's much easier <laughs> for Democrats to replace the head of their ticket uh, than it is for Republicans to do it. You know, it, that's the whole superdelegate system. It's a very simple sort of majoritarian vote there. I guess that is democratic in a way, but it's it's just it's it's very easy for them to do it if they, if they need to. Um, but it really is going to be about whether or not they can hold on to power. All right, there you go. Well, Andrew, time flies when we're having fun, and we always have fun when you're with us here. Uh, you want to be sure and check out the Lunch Hour podcast and Please. Andrew and Jerry Save the World. Andrew Langer, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again real soon right here on State of the Nation at TNT. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like, I don't remember what I did last week, but like, I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. I had all of these hospital bills and we had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes... Or high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. Issues that dominate America. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. So First Liberty Institute is representing Pastor Chris Avell of Dad's Place, a church in Bryan, Ohio. And he's facing 18 criminal charges for violating the city's zoning laws. The city's going after him because earlier this year, Pastor Chris opened the church 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's seeking to serve homeless people. In November of last year, the city sent a letter ordering the church to stop allowing overnight guests or face criminal prosecution. On New Year's Eve, police showed up at the church. They handed the pastor a packet of multiple charges and violations. Joining us now to shed some light on this is First Liberty Council Ryan Gardner. Ryan, welcome to State of the Nation. What happened to Chris Avell and what is he up against? Well, the only word that I can re that really comes to mind to describe what happened to him is outrageous. What the city has done here is absolutely outrageous and it completely tramples Pastor Chris's constitutional rights to freely exercise his religion. I've seen a lot of things defending religious liberty, but I have never seen a pastor get criminally charged for the crime of caring for the most needy and vulnerable in his community. The city should be walking alongside dad's place and encouraging and supporting the work it's doing, not criminalizing it. Oh boy.
It's just so ugly. I mean, you know, if you don't worship the state, you don't get to worship at all. That seems to be the message coming from the left these days. And this is an absolute violation of uh, the pastor's First Amendment rights, not only his uh, right to to worship, but as, as he sees fit, but also his freedom of speech, for gosh sakes. I I just uh, I just don't get it, but we're seeing this all over the place. You guys probably saw the case in New York where the, the Jewish residents there were building tunnels. That's a little crazy. But the point is, is that religion, uh, religious institutions are being basically just stymied by, by government, and it's always from the left that it comes, isn't it? Sometimes, but not always, frankly. I, I think that, especially at the local municipal level, uh, people yeah. on all sides of the aisle sometimes forget that they are subject to a higher law. Sometimes city officials are only focused on their ordinances and their vision for their community, that they forget that they are subject to laws that are much higher, namely the U.S. Constitution, federal law, and state constitutions, for this matter, which all guarantee religious liberty. Yeah, you would mm-hmm. hope people would not forget those aspects, but that's where you come in. Um, mm-hmm. So what's the city's argument here? Like, uh, this is, is this a victimless crime, or do they have some sort of uh, backing for their actions? Well, if you read the criminal complaint, it really comes down to three things. They don't like the, pack, the fact that people are sleeping in the church, eating in the church, and doing laundry in the church. So sleeping, eating, doing laundry. Those are the terrible crimes that dad's place is accused of committing. How dare they? Um, I mean, yeah, no kidding. Let me ask you this. Let's just fast forward. Let's just, uh, I mean, I know this is a bit of a hypothetical, but if he were convicted of this, and I'm sure you and your team are going to do everything you can to make sure that never happens, but let's just say it does. What is he looking at? He is looking at daily fines. According to the city, each day that he continues an operation constitutes a separate offense. So he could be looking at more charges in the future, but he's looking at fines and possible jail time or both, frankly. And and doesn't it help the – this is so stupid I even have to ask this, but – doesn't it help a community when it's it's vulnerable people or have a roof over their head, have food and and clean garments to wear? I mean, we have a, a massive influx of people, you know, 250,000 a month coming across the southern border right now, all our borders actually and ports and and they're they're clearing out high schools uh, for some of these people to sleep in because it's so cold. And here you've got a church doing what churches do, which is helping people, um, making sure, and in this case, going out of their way to help people and making sure that their basics are covered, a roof, a food, you know, hygiene, these sort of things. Don't these things help? What is wrong with the community here? What is wrong with the law enforcement and the city council? Like, why do they not see that he's uh, helping the community? You're exactly right. And in a bit of irony here, Dad's Place has been open for around five years at this point. And for a long time, the Bryan City Police would actually bring people to Dad's Place when they would encounter somebody that needed a place to go. They would take them to Dad's Place. And so that's the funny part. And they even started, kept doing that after they began operating 24 hours a day. Basically, it was okay until it wasn't. 
And now they've taken a very different position. But to go back to your point, you're absolutely right that the church is stepping in to help the community. And that's especially important in a place like Bryan, Ohio, because they are suffering from a significant housing shortage. A lot of people who are, are who have been at dad's place are people who would otherwise have housing under normal circumstances, but because of the scarcity, they just simply aren't able to for, for some amount of time. And that's where dad's place comes in to fill that gap and allow these people a temporary place to stay and to help them find that permanent place that of their own that they want. Yeah. Ryan, I got to think that the, the, the owner, I mean, and I'm trying, because I like, like Brian here, I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around the reasoning for this. Uh, and as you mentioned, it was all good until it wasn't. Uh, it seems to me, it, it seems like the position that they're taking is almost like the lady that feeds the feral cat. So if you feed them, you're going to get more of them. I mean, it, that's so inhumane, but I can't understand what other possible motive they could have in mind here to try and shut these people out. I mean, it's the dead of winter, for God's sakes. It's January 12th, and uh, they're trying to get this guy to boot these people out in the, in the dead of night. Uh, what is their rationale? Do you think, what is, is it just, as you said, they just want to enforce the law the way they see fit, or is there something a little bit more nefarious, a little bit more, maybe a little bit more edgy as to why, what's, what's the reasoning? I mean, you would have to go ask the city to get their exact reasoning, but from what I can tell this, we could very well be looking at a situation where the city is thinking, you can do this, just not in my backyard. We, we don't want those kinds of people in our beautiful downtown area. You can push, push them off to the side. But the fact of the matter is, Dad's place has a, feels a religious calling to be exactly where it is. And if you visit the site, it's in an ideal location to operate this very type of ministry. Right next door to Dad's place is another religious entity called, religious entity called The Sanctuary which is an actual homeless shelter that it, it, it runs apartment style living. But the, the thing is they fill up. And when the, the sanctuary fills up, dad's place is able to fill that gap either to find them somewhere else long-term, or if the, the sanctuary has a couple of days before a bed comes open, it can, the dad's place can fill that gap. Because when you're talking about people who are on the streets, a couple of days could literally be life and death. Amazing. So dad's place, uh, works with local law enforcement, with the local homeless shelter, which is conveniently right next door. They keep people off the streets, especially, you know, some people like when, when there's a, a housing shortage, like you're describing here in this town in Ohio, like you said, you know, people, uh, they are temporarily unhoused. And if they have to go straight to the sidewalk, right? Maybe they lost their job. Maybe a million different things could have happened. If they have to go straight to the sidewalk instead of somewhere like dad's place, uh, they're much more vulnerable to, you know, the, the elements to, uh, to, to violence, to, you know, maybe drug abuse. I mean, who knows where that can lead. And again, you know, I sound like a bit of a broken record here, but sounds like dad's place is, uh, very helpful to the community. And I'm going to assume Tell me if I'm wrong. These are locals, American citizens. It's not like in Manhattan where they're telling the kids they can't go to school because we've got 200, you know, uh, illegal immigrants that are going to be staying here. That's exactly right. The, the, the people staying at dad's place are people who are from Bryan or one of the surrounding communities. 
So th this really is caring for the vulnerable and hurting in this specific community. But the fact of the matter is Das Place isn't just open to people who are who are in that vulnerable state. They're open to anybody. You could be a millionaire and walk through the door and Das Place would welcome you on the same terms and they they would never ask you to leave. That's that's their whole model is if you show them through the doors, you're going to be welcomed and you can stay for as little or as long as you want, being an hour or all day long and, and through the night. Either way, the, the door is always unlocked and the, and the lights is, are always on for you at Dad's Place. How is the, uh, let me ask you this, Ryan, how is the, uh, how is the community responding to this? We know how the local government's responding, but how's the community responding? Are they rallying around dad's place or, uh, is there really any community outreach at all on this? I think that the dad's place certainly is receiving a lot of support from the sanctuary who is doing the same type of work and they have done great work for the community as a whole. There, there are so many people that have gone through dad's place that not only have their spiritual needs been met, but they, they are literally telling Pastor Chris, I'm alive because of you. If you hadn't taken me in, I, I would be dead on the streets somewhere. And, and so that's the type of help that they are offering to this community. And it's my hope that the community will continue to rally around dad's place as it goes through this. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. You know, um, I got to this may be a little tangential or off topic, but I, I'm curious. I haven't seen something like this since uh, the whole COVIDian fiasco that we looked at. You know, you could look at uh, Grace Church, for example, which, um, you know, we, we talk about here on TNT. Uh, is is, is uh, Bryan, Ohio, a place where we had a lot of, uh, you know, um, issues between the church and uh, the state, the city regulators with regards to remaining closed during COVID? Like, do they have a, a track record of having an issue with uh, the city telling them how they can go about their First Amendment? Uh, well, I'm not sure with regards specifically to COVID, how Brian approached that situation. But what I do know is, is that the city does have a bit of a disturbing history, frankly, with how it's treated churches, specifically those in its downtown area. For example, in, in 2020, citing a similar zoning ordinance to what they're using now, the city already drove one church out of town. They told them that they couldn't operate and they drove them out of town. And they tried to do that with Dad's Place, but Dad's Place was able to work with the, the city and, and at least check their boxes in order to operate as a church initially. But even trying to do that was a struggle in 2020. Wow. I mean, it really is. I mean, we have just, you know, you wonder why the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's, you know, you, I, I know that there's a lot of folks that are secular and all that. I get it, whatever, that's fine. But nobody's forcing this down your throat. Dad's Place is offering, obviously, from what we gather here today, Ryan, is they're offering sanctuary for those who need it. And the city has a problem with that. Uh, and the city has a problem with that. It, it sounds to me uh, like it, the problem is mainly just the appearance of homeless people in and around the community is really starting to uh, uh, chap their asses, for lack of a better phrase. And they're saying, OK, we're just going to crack down on it. I, it. It seems so cold hearted. It seems so bloody cold hearted, especially just a few weeks removed from Christmas uh, that, that they would take this action. I, that's why I asked about the community, because, I mean, 
little town like Bryan, Ohio, I would think it's a pretty tight knit community and that they wouldn't be having to suffer this. But here we are again, huh? It's just the secularists don't like it. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you talked about Christmas. Remember, the pastor was served these papers on New Year's Eve in front of his congregation. And before that, Unreal. before he was, he was, that even happened, he didn't know about these charges until he saw it on the front page of the newspaper. So you're talking about that small town feel. He didn't know about these charges in, until someone called him and said, check out the paper. <laughs> Goodness wow. gracious. Amazing. So what is your argument going to be on his behalf? Is it uh, contingent? Is it based around First Amendment? Uh, is it constitutional in in na in nature? Or, or how are you going to uh, approach this? I would say it, it, there are multiple levels of protection to what Pastor Chris is doing here. You obvi obviously have the free exercise clause under the First Amendment, but you also have a special federal law called the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act that protects churches from the unlawful application of zoning ordinances, which is exactly what the city is using here to hammer dad's place. And also, if you can go down to the state level, the Ohio Constitution, similar to the federal constitution, protects the free exercise of religion. So the, the pastor's actions here are are triply protected is one way to look at this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. When is the uh, now we he just they just filed this and uh, they handed him this uh, packet in front of his con congregation. Now, how utterly classless. But when is this due to uh, to appeal uh, appear before a judge? So he actually just appeared in court yesterday for his arraignment and, and pled not guilty to all 18 charges that have been filed. And the, the case had, will, there will be another hearing in about 30 to 45 days or so. Oh boy. Well, we're going to have to have you back on to, to, to drill down on this. Go ahead, Brian. I didn't mean to step on you, brother. No, oh. no, that's okay. I mean, um, you know, with regards to the, the town's housing shortage, uh, I mean, how bad is that? I mean, what kind of numbers are we looking at? How many people are typically at the church overnight? Uh, overnight, typically we're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of, of five, five to ten, maybe up to a dozen at, at the most extreme times for extreme weather, for example, something like that. But that it's, it's not a lot of people, and, it, and it's a very large space. Amazing. God. Steve, I, uh, I don't it, even know what to say, man. It's like I know. hundreds of illegal aliens displacing high school kids. That's fine. You know, uh, misdemeanor offenses. We'll just pack a gymnasium full of those. But if there's five, a dozen, even two dozen on a bad night in Ohio, this is this is what happened. I don't even know what to say. I'm blown away by it, this. Uh, it really is. It is. It is shocking in the in the cold blooded nature of it. I mean, yeah. And to and to, and to Hesher's point here, Ryan, uh, we have a uh, a, a terminal uh, part of the uh, Chicago O'Hare Airport's terminals are closed down to house illegals in New York City. We had high school closed down because of uh, bad weather for two thousand migrants to come in instead. By the way, that school. The student body in uh, Brooklyn, that school that we were referring to, uh, it's a huge school, over 3,000 students. They kicked them all out for a night and gave it to the illegals. And yet here we have Ohio residents who, through, uh, through either no fault of their own or just life circumstances, found them homeless. And here we are. Unbelievable, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us. Please uh, come back and, uh, as this proceeds and we'll have you back. Thanks for joining us today. 
Absolutely. And if you want to follow us in the meantime, you can always go to firstliberty.org. There you go. Ryan Gardner. You're listening to State of the Nation. We'll be right back on TNT after this.